Educational Podcasting Today, the show that not only celebrates educational podcasters, but helps you learn how to create one yourself. Hello, my name is Jeff Bradbury. Welcome to Episode 3. I am excited that you have decided to listen to our show today, our library of audio, video, and written content designed to help you create the perfect podcast for yourself or for your classroom is growing by leaps and bounds. I've been able to put out several great articles for you this week, two in particular that I want to share with you that we'll get into a little bit later in the show. There are several great ways to learn more about our show. All of our shows for this podcast will be distributed through iTunes, Stitcher, and on your favorite podcasting app as an audio podcast. Additionally, I've decided to release all of our interviews on YouTube as shorter segments for you to watch from your home or classroom. In addition to this podcast, I'll be writing blog posts on the topic of podcasting and WordPress development to help you craft your show exactly the way you want it, and we'll also be releasing screencasts and product demonstrations of my favorite podcasting and WordPress tips and tricks. For more information, please visit our website, educationalpodcasting.today. My goal and mission for this show is to feature educational podcasters and educational podcasting. If you're an established podcaster and have a show of your own, please feel free to contact me on Twitter at TeacherCast or by leaving a voicemail at TeacherCast.net slash voicemail. I'd love to hear from you on the show and feature your podcast and share your personal tips and tricks about podcasting. If you're new to the podcasting world and have questions about how to get your own show set up, I would love to hear from you as well. The best way to contact the show is by emailing feedback at TeacherCast.net. I can't wait to help you out and help you create podcasts of your own. In today's episode, we're going to be speaking with Justin Bader, the creator and founder of The Principal Center, a great website and podcasting series to help current and future educational leaders. Justin has been doing some great things with his WordPress websites, and he was kind enough to take some time out of his week to spend some time with me discussing his thoughts on creating the perfect podcasting website using WordPress. Stick around. That's coming up in just a few minutes. It's now time for our ratings and reviews of the week. One of the first things that any podcaster wants to do as they get their show up and running is to submit their feed to podcast directories such as Stitcher Radio and iTunes. This week, I am very proud to announce that Educational Podcasting Today is now live and running wild both on the educational and podcasting categories on both of these great networks. I'm even more thrilled to say that we have already three amazing ratings and reviews. I certainly want to say thank you to everybody that visited our iTunes page and gave us an honest review and a five-star rating. Our featured podcast of this week is WP Watercooler. I first found WP Watercooler while searching for help with my WordPress-based website. Each Monday, host Jason Tucker from the WP Media Pro brings on some of the top WordPress developers, plugin creators, and speakers on a live Google Hangout to help you learn how to use your WordPress website. The show is then archived on YouTube and iTunes. I can't begin to tell you how much I have learned over the last few months about WordPress by listening to WP Watercooler. One of the best parts about this show is its ability to challenge me as a WordPress developer. Often the conversations run a bit over my head and just out of my WordPress knowledge base, but I actually find myself listening to the show several times to fully comprehend and follow the witty conversations. Check out WP Watercooler today at www.wpwatercooler.com and WP Watercooler on Twitter. Stop by their iTunes page and give them a nice rating and review and tell them TeacherCast sent you. 
Now, before we move on to our interview segment of the show today, I would like to encourage you to reach out to the show and let us know that you're listening. I'm just getting started with this adventure, and all of our shows are going to be based on the questions and feedback from our audience. Maybe you're looking to create a podcast of your own, or perhaps you're looking to design your own website using WordPress. This website and podcast will serve as a great platform, both in audio and video, for me to answer your questions and help you build your brand both in and out of the classroom. I hope you're enjoying our show so far. And now, here's our conversation with Justin Bader from the Principal Center. My guest today is an educational leader from the great state of Arkansas. I want to welcome to the show today Mr. Justin Bader. Justin, how are you today? Welcome to Educational Podcasting Today. Great to be here, Jeff. Thanks so much. Thank you so much for being here. Now, you are the creator and founder of the Principal Center. Tell us a little bit about what the Principal Center is. Sure. So the Principal Center is a website and increasingly a a professional development site for school leaders. And I write articles about productivity, about different aspects of instructional leadership. And that's also where people take my uh, online courses. So I offer online courses on a variety of different uh, instructional leadership and productivity topics for school leaders. And we have a few courses for for teachers as well. And uh, some of those are offered through that site as well. And when you're looking over here at principal, the print, yeah, principalcenter.com, you have a lot of resources here. Of course, this is all done in WordPress, and you also have your podcast here. Tell us a little bit about how you built this website and how it's functioning both to service your needs as an educator and as a podcaster. Sure. Well, it actually has a, a long history of different content management systems and dead ends. Um, I started with it as a Ning site because the, uh, the social networking features were very important to me at the beginning. And uh, social networking is, is kind of a tough thing, especially for administrators. We tend to be kind of private people. Um, Twitter has, has also kind of taken the place of uh, a lot of that, you know, in terms of, of what people are willing to share publicly. Um, so pretty quickly, I moved on from Ning into uh, running a Drupal site. And that allowed me to have kind of a members area where I could post my courses. And, um, you know, Drupal is very powerful. It runs most of the big websites in the world, all the White House's websites run on Drupal. Uh, a lot of corporate sites run on Drupal, but that means it's complicated. And I basically had to hire someone to do anything that was, um, you know, anything beyond the, the very basics in Drupal. And design is also very challenging in Drupal. So there are lots of people who will take your money and design a website for you, but it's not a uh, do-it-yourself kind of environment. So I finally switched to WordPress about a year ago on the Principal Center site. It took way too long to uh, to make that change, uh, but since I have made that change to WordPress, I haven't looked back. Uh, and I've loved WordPress for a long time. I've been using WordPress since version I think 1.2, uh, and actually did WordPress hosting uh, many years ago. So big uh, big fan of WordPress. I've always run the eduleadership.org site on WordPress, and it's nice to to have both on the same platform now. And the, uh, the theme you see there is the News Pro theme from Studio Press, which is a Genesis child theme. If that means anything to uh, people who are listening, it, Genesis is a, a great framework and a great way to um, kind of simplify a lot of the, uh, the aspects of WordPress. It is more complicated, but, uh, but it's worked really well for me. Well, let's take a look at what you have here. Of course, over at PrincipalCenter.com, uh, let me bring it up here. You have your Principal Center radio, and we'll, we'll talk a little bit about your, you know, how you do this and how you integrate the WordPress with, with your audio. And then you said you also have this website, which is eduleadership.org. What makes WordPress, in your mind, the perfect platform for creating a podcasting website? 
Well, it's really about critical mass to me. I mean, every plugin, every service, everything connects to WordPress. And that's because I think for a long time it's been powerful and free and easy to use and very extensible with plugins. So there's just been a lot of developer attention. It's kind of like why, um, you know, why the uh, App Store has so many apps and why uh, most people who have smartphones use either an iOS device or an Android device because that's where the developer attention has been. Um, so just about anything you want to do in WordPress, you can do with a plugin, even if it's not free. Uh, there's probably some sort of solution out there that you can deploy pretty quickly with WordPress without any programming knowledge. And I'm not personally a programmer, so that's a big plus. Do you do all this by yourself? Uh, in terms of WordPress, I do. I did have to, uh, to have someone help me with Drupal. Um, so that was one reason I was glad to move back to WordPress because I'm, I'm more familiar with that. Yep. So let's take a look at this because when we're talking WordPress, many people out there know of WordPress.com. And I get a lot of questions here as far as, you know, I want to start off with WordPress. Where do I go? How do I look? I personally tell them to either look at WordPress.com or to go over to EduBlogs. Learn how it works. Learn how WordPress functions, the menus, the widgets. Being in a situation where you really can't do much wrong because it is a walled garden when you're dealing with those two sites. You happen to have – you're using WordPress.org, right? The self-hosted. Self-hosted, right. And uh, talk to us a little bit about that. Where do you host your website? So I have a dedicated virtual server, which is a step up from, you know, a shared hosting plan. So, you know, most most entry level uh, plans, you're sharing space with with someone else, uh, with lots of other people on a single physical server. And the virtual private server that I use is shared with other people, but the the resources that are allocated to my account are isolated. So I always have a certain amount of resources that I can use. And that gives me kind of a guarantee that uh, someone else's site getting busy is not going to take up, uh, you know, resources from my site. So that's worked pretty well for me. I host both sites on the same virtual private server. And it's fairly affordable, especially compared to, a, you know, a physical server, which would be quite a bit more expensive. And is there a specific host that you would recommend over the other or what has worked out for you? Yeah, I use Knownhost, mm -hmm. K-N-O-W-N, and uh, they've been great. I've been with them for a number of years. They were recommended by my Drupal consultant who uh, set up the uh, the previous generation of the Principal Center website, and they've been fantastic. Um, you know, one measure to me is is how fast the company gets back to you on support tickets, and usually by the time I open my Gmail to check on the status of my support ticket, they've already responded. I mean, they, they usually get back to me within... Uh, you know, 60 to 90 seconds, which is pretty amazing. That is fantastic. I mean, I know when I'm looking around, I was in GoDaddy for a while. I'm using Bluehost now. Both of those services are fantastic. And when you are running a VPS like you are and like I have with TeacherCast, these people pick up their phone on the first ring. Nine mm -hmm. times out of 10, I never have to wait. Um, and let's talk a little bit about that VPN. I don't want to get too technical here for everybody, but if you were... Joe, average teacher looking to start a WordPress site, do you need to go to a virtual server? Great question. So I think if you're if you're doing self-hosted WordPress, um, it's going to depend on the complexity of your site. And one of the um, one of the things that I found is the plugins that I was using for WordPress were pretty demanding. And WordPress itself is pretty demanding, um, you know, relative to uh, not using a, a PHP and, and database based, um, you know back end for your website. 
Um, so I, I have kind of maxed out my uh, resources that are allocated to WordPress, to the, the services that allow WordPress to run. So PHP and uh, MySQL have a lot of resources, uh, an unusual amount of resources dedicated to them. So I don't know, I mean, I think if, if you're getting issues like uh, your host is saying, oh, you're using too much CPU, you know, you're hogging your shared server's resources. Uh, in that case, then I would say, yeah, a VPS is a, a pretty affordable way to get a lot of power and they scale up and down nicely. So the, the nice thing about it being virtual is you can start off with a very inexpensive VPS plan and if tomorrow your site gets uh, picked up and, and linked from TeacherCast and you have all this traffic coming in, you can call up your hosting company and say, hey, can you double my, you know, my resources? And they can, I mean, they can literally do that in like two minutes. Um, so it's, it's not like being tied to a, uh, a physical server that is what it is, and it's, it's much better than being on a shared plan where everything has to be actually migrated to a different server uh, if you need to make a plan. Very flex uh, change. Very, very, very flexible. So, so let's get into the fun stuff here, building the website here. The nice part about WordPress is that when you start off, you have a blank theme. And usually whenever I do my talks, I say WordPress is made up of four things. It's got a header, it's got a menu, it's got a sidebar, and then there's content area. And every theme basically has those four things. You're working on two different websites. Why, why did you choose those particular themes? I know you had talked about Genesis. Maybe you can touch a little bit about that. But what do you look for in a WordPress theme? Sure. Well, and, and earlier I think I said that uh, the Genesis was both simpler and more complicated, so I should probably explain what that means. Um, you know, I'm, I'm kind of old school WordPress, and I'm used to editing everything directly and making changes to the template. And Genesis has forced me uh, – the Genesis framework – is kind of a middle layer in between WordPress. I know I'm telling you things you already know, but uh, in between WordPress and the theme uh, that kind of adds some settings to the menu, basically, and, and standardizes the way certain things work. And that means that you can't just go in and tweak any little thing, but when you do want to make a change, often there's a menu for it, and it's, it's a more straightforward uh, change to make. Um, so I am running the Genesis framework, which is a kind of a premium theme. Uh, and then there's a child theme that runs on top of that on each site. And on, again, on the Principal Center website, I'm using the Studio Pro, or excuse me, the uh, News Pro child theme. And on the Edgy Leadership site, I'm using the Generate uh, child theme. And both of those uh, are mobile responsive. So if you drag your browser window and make it narrower and narrower, you'll see the sidebar will move and different things will change proportions slightly so that they still look good on a narrower screen, and of course if you load those up on a mobile device, uh, like a phone or a tablet, those should look uh, pretty good. So it's not perfect, I need to make some adjustments to the, uh, the headers on principalcenter.com because they, uh, they will actually, I will actually pull in a different header graphic uh, depending on the screen size, and I need to make some adjustments to where those cutoffs are because they're a little funky right now. You, know, but, you, um, yeah. you, you had mentioned the word responsive, and that's a new word. I would say if anybody's going out there looking for a brand new web theme for their site, Look at the word responsive. I know when we first started looking into TeacherCast, I actually – and I recently actually stopped this, but I actually owned TeacherCast.mobi because at that point in time, we were getting mobile domains and we were getting normal domains. And now you don't need to do that anymore because, that, as you said, that responsiveness, no matter where you are with things um, – it, it works. Let me see if I can do a quick demonstration here. So here we have the principal center, and I'm just going to release this here. And as I shrink this down, this responsiveness happens. I can see here that the menu is changing, 
And I can see that things are starting to resize the images. There goes the menu. And this is exactly what we're talking about when it comes to responsiveness. And, and really, when you do this, you're thinking about your user and the fact that your users are going to come from every single device, not just iPhones or Android phones. Really, any kind of device your website is going to be maximized for. Right. And, you know, if we look at where the traffic is coming from, you know, a lot of my web traffic comes from Twitter. I know a lot of Twitter usage is mobile. I know a lot of my, you know, my, my usage from, from Facebook is mobile and from email as well. So, yeah, I mean, the idea of having two separate websites, one for mobile and one for desktop, um, you know, is, is an idea that made sense at the time with the, the early iPhones and things like that. But uh, today, you know, it's, it's nice to be able to have one theme that looks good everywhere. And, uh, you know, the, uh, the newer themes that are designed that way, really, um, you don't have to think about it very much. They're just, they're just built that way. Um, so if you're, using, um, if you're using an exceptionally old theme that you find just does not work well uh, on a mobile device, I think that's a great reason to look at a, uh, a newer theme. And I believe the, the newer default WordPress themes are uh, mobile responsive for the most part. Um, so, to, you know, that's becoming pretty standard, I think. The when default you, WordPress themes are fantastic. You know, whenever I do demonstrations, I use the 2012 theme because they keep updating it. Um, I, I like the, the even the 2015 that came out re- recently is a really, really amazing theme. Um, so even if you're brand new to WordPress, to get it out of the box, use one of their default themes, you can start to easily build... I don't know. I, I've been thinking about this recently because I'm starting two new WordPress themes, uh, two, two more WordPress projects. Do you put the theme on first and then start to tweak it around? Or do you use the blank white bread default theme, maybe put a menu up, throw some pages up just to kind of get a feel for how it might work? And then you throw all the themes and have to worry about all those things. What's your recommendation if you're starting out? Well, again, I'm, I'm kind of old school WordPress, so I might do things out of order, but I, I really like that WordPress now has has basically created settings for a lot of the things that you used to have to actually go in and edit your theme files for. Uh, you know, having built-in menus that are saved in your database and aren't actually part of your theme uh, is really great because you can build out all your menus and then change to a totally different theme, and everything might be in a different place, but all the stuff that's supposed to be there is there. Um, you know, so... I think for the most part, it doesn't matter all that much what order you go in. If you get your site looking the way you want it and then decide, I actually want to switch to a completely different theme, most of that information isn't saved in the theme. Most of that information is saved uh, as far as your content, your links, your menu items, um, you know, how your name appears, your photo and all that, that kind of thing. Uh, that all gets saved in the database, so it's going to look good in the new theme as well. So. I think that's one thing that's gotten a lot easier over the past 10 years in WordPress as well. Completely agree. And that's the one thing that it's hard for me sometimes to get across when I'm doing my demonstrations is it is a database. You're dealing with literally a a dynamic spreadsheet where if you change the mask or your theme, you can put a brand new theme on there. And yes, it might work differently. There might be some different color schemes. The menu might be in a different spot. But for the majority, your content is not gone. Everything's there. Um Let's talk a little bit about how this works as a podcasting website. Um, there's several ways that WordPress can be used with audio. One of them is you take your audio file and you upload it directly into your WordPress site. And depending on how much you know hard drive space and stuff you have your host. And WordPress has an automatic 
audio player and an automatic video player. But then there's also plugins that you can use where you can have a third-party service. Talk to us a little bit about what you do after you record an episode of uh, your podcast. Do you put it into WordPress or do you use a third-party system? And what plugins are you using to make this all work? Yeah, so I've done different things. And I think with uh, my previous podcast, Edu Leadership Radio, I believe I was just uploading those uh, directly into WordPress and using the kind of built-in uh, enclosure creation to get a little technical that that WordPress uh, will will do for you to create that podcast feed. Um, with Principal Center Radio, I decided to go with a plugin. So I'm using the Blueberry, I believe it's B-L-U-B-R-R-Y, uh, PowerPress plugin. And that makes it a little bit easier to control the MP3 that uh, the, or the audio file that gets uh, published as a podcast. Um, there, there's the potential for WordPress to mess that up a little bit, I found, if you're just using WordPress by itself. So I, I do like having that plugin. Currently, I'm hosting my own uh, MP3 files. I'm not using a content distribution network. And I know you mentioned uh, Libsyn earlier. Uh, I was using the, uh, the Blueberry uh, content distribution network uh, you know, to, to host the MP3 files, but I found that my, my traffic was, was such that I could, I think, have a hundred or a thousand times more, uh, you know, more listeners than I was having and still not have a problem, uh, just because of the limits of my VPS service. So, uh, the, uh, the CDN was costing, uh, almost as much as the server itself, and I was running into upload limits every month, so I just said, you know, forget this, we're going to go back to, to hosting our own MP3s, and that's what we do. Nice. So, you're using WordPress, you're using PowerPress, and let me see if I can bring this up here. You are also hosting your site um, on iTunes, which is a fantastic feed down here. And you're also hosting it on Stitcher. And, of course, there are several other pod catchers or podcasting applications that pick up our feeds when we put this out. Talk to us a little bit about iTunes. It's not difficult to get in, but I recently just put out a, a blog post of, like, the six steps that I go through going from Lipson to WordPress to PodTrack to FeedBurner. Talk to us a little bit about how your file goes from WordPress to iTunes. Is, is it a direct route? It is pretty direct. So I believe I use the um, – I, I don't actually recall whether I use the category feed or if I use the uh, the Blueberry PowerPress feed. Um, I believe either one will work, but uh, but basically you get a uh, an address that's – you know, created by WordPress. So mine is principalcenter.com slash something. And I applied to iTunes, at, you know, you know, following probably the same steps that you did. And, you know, pretty quickly that gets, uh, gets picked up by iTunes and added to the directory. And then from that point on, anything new that I publish shows up on iTunes. Um, I've also signed the, uh, the Stitcher publisher agreement. I've also signed up as a, a Stitcher partner, so my podcasts are automatically pulled into to Stitcher as well. But WordPress handles all of that once it's uh, once it's configured with the service, uh, and the uh, the service knows where to look. Uh, everything's automatic from there. And uh, if people are using a different app, like I use RSS Radio on my iPhone to to download podcasts, people can search for it, and and typically. Uh, they're going off of iTunes listings. So if you're in iTunes, it's pretty easy for people to find you, uh, in my experience. But uh, I have had requests from people to, to get on Stitcher as well, so that's why I did that. And then the other thing we do, which is a little bit more expensive, is we have our own app. So there's an app in all three app stores for uh, Windows Phone, oh, good timing, uh, Google Play, and the uh, Apple App Store. You can download the Principal Center app. It's just called The Principal Center. 
for uh, whatever device you prefer to use, and that has all of our podcasts in there. Um, we actually load those in manually, so it's not pulled from WordPress at all. We just take the MP3, and they have some different graphics settings and things that we use to, uh, to load them up in that app, which is published by Subsplash. Um, that's a little bit more expensive, but it's nice because uh, it's one less thing that we have to, to kind of take people through. So as, as you know, getting people to listen to a podcast um, you know, it takes a little bit of work if it's, uh, if it's more than sitting down at your computer and hitting play. And I think a lot of the potential for podcasts is in capturing that non-computer time. Um, so I don't know if you want to talk about that a little bit, but I, uh, I really enjoy listening to podcasts when I'm not at my computer, when I'm doing something else, working in the yard, driving. And uh, I want to make that easy for people as well. Oh, absolutely. I, I, I do all my podcasts listening on my drive to work. And, you know, for those of you who follow me out there know I have a long 70 mile drive to work so on any given day i could actually get through two episodes or half of an episode of mac break weekly and so <laughs> there are so many neat things that are out there you know i was listening to was it uh, netcast studio the other day and they were saying like they don't even use their fm am fm radio they either go satellite or they go podcast and i'm finding myself being the same thing i'm either listening to my my xm satellite radio or I've got somebody's show on that I'm either listening for or studying up on or something. Um, but the concept of having these co- th- these shows available on demand, it really is where education's going today. I mean, we talk about an uncon where you go to an ed camp or you go to a teach meet. And if you want to stay, great. Ask a question. If you don't want to stay, rule of two feet, get up and leave. Really, that's what podcasting is all about. If you don't like this show, that's great. I've got 500 more you might listen to. I'm sorry this one isn't for you, but there's other things that you can watch, and there's other great PD out there. What's your philosophy on podcasts? Are you creating them as a series like you're seeing now with like the Serial Podcast and like the Michael Hyatt stuff, or are you just creating as much great content as possible? Well, my goal with Principal Center Radio is for it to be all about the content. And we've chosen to focus, uh, for the most part, on specific books. So if I speak to an author, we're talking about you know whatever their latest book is, and we tend to, to limit it to, to one book, one topic. And if I'm speaking with another principal or uh, someone else who, who has expertise in education uh, other than a book, then we talk about that topic and, uh, and keep it focused on that topic. Um, so I wanna, I wanna assume that the person is, is listening because they're interested in that topic. And, you know, if that topic's not for them, if they are at a, a school that where that, that issue doesn't apply, you know, if I'm talking about high school grading practices with someone, elementary principals can, you know, can listen in for their information or they can skip it. And I want to make that uh, easy and flexible for people. So I, I definitely don't have the expectation that people listen to every episode of Principal Center Radio. And we actually record them in such a way that they're a little bit evergreen. So you won't hear me say, this is Principal Center Radio for you know, March 15th or anything like that. We, uh, we leave out dates and try to make them as timeless as possible because um, I think the, uh, you know, the, the topics tend to have a longer shelf life than a podcast by itself um, otherwise could. So and, we've, and, we've made a kind of intentional decision to do that. And, and that is such great advice. You know, I have a show called the TeacherCast App Spotlight where we bring on app developers, website guys, and they talk about what's coming up. And I always try to remind them, you can't say next week we're launching because somebody's going to listen to this in March or in November. And we all understand that a podcast was recorded on a certain day. But if you say next week we're doing this, 
you kind of date yourself already. And that's right. usually when you find the person clicks off and then you, you, know, you lose them for the rest of the show because they realize they're listening to something outdated. So just that idea that you are creating this evergreen content that's there, I mean, especially with yourself. I know you, you record a lot of um, podcasts with authors. That book is always going to be there. That book is, right. is always there. So it's hard to say, you know, last week we did this. Just get your guests to say, you know, soon or, or something like that, right? Absolutely. And I think the other the other phenomenon that is, uh, you know, emerging about podcasts, but goes along with uh, kind of Netflix binge watching is that people will come across a new podcast and then go back and listen to all of them. So I'll have people email me and say, hey, I've been listening to your podcast for the past week. I just got through all of them. And, you know, they'll give me some sort of feedback or, you know, say something about the show. And, you know, that blows me away, but it's, it's what I do as well. You know, and, and if you, if you have someone uh, who, you know, who's, who's just now listening to serial and, you know, you know, they can't stop talking about it. You know, they're listening to it every moment they get. Um, whereas other people followed along in real time when serial was, was putting out new episodes and I know they'll do that again. Uh, so I'm, I'm doing what I said not to do and dating myself a little bit today here, but um, you know, I think that's, that's the way that professional learning largely goes not as a little bit every day. And I tell this to people who join my uh, High Performance Instructional Leadership Network. You know, we have 60 or 70 hours of content in the network, and we're cranking out things, you know, every week. And it's a lot to keep up with. And sometimes people get a little discouraged. And I say, hey, if you need to put this on the shelf for six weeks or six months, it'll be here when things let up for you. You know, when your schedule changes a little bit, when school gets out for summer. And that is absolutely a legitimate thing to do. And it's how we do a lot of our learning in life. You know, nobody goes to grad school forever. You go to grad school at a certain time and uh, put some intense effort into your coursework and, and so on. Uh, and I think it's the same for ongoing professional learning, too. There are times when, you know, we just have to step back and say, hey, you know, my day-to-day my -day work or my family or whatever we're dealing with at the moment uh, is going to take up all of my time and attention. And there are other seasons in life where we can say, hey, I'm, I'm really enjoying these podcasts. I've got a long commute or I've got some sort of work that I'm otherwise doing, uh, you know, kind of solo. So, um, you know, this is a good time to, uh, to kind of dive into that professional learning using podcasts or whatever media. So I really like the, uh, the kind of Netflix style, uh, binge watching or binge listening that's possible because of podcasts. I, I, again, I couldn't agree more. I, well, as soon as I find a show that I like, I do want to go back because I might not like the no. episode I'm listening to, but let's say you and I are like saying, hey, did you listen to the House of EdTech? And I'm like, no, I haven't listened to that yet. And I look at the first episode, I look at the second episode, I might dive into seven or eight episodes of that show and pick out two or three that I'm going to listen to the full way through. Binge watching is just this new phenomenon that anybody can do for podcasting. I you know, certainly recommend, especially in your drive to work. The one thing oh, yeah. I want to pick up that you had said is feedback. What tips would you give a new podcaster on feedback? It's so easy right now for people to reach out and contact us, but as a podcaster, I'd rather have you leave the feedback on my website or more importantly, leave the feedback and iTunes. In fact, at the end of every episode, at the beginning of every episode, we always say, you know, please go over to iTunes, leave us a review, leave us a rating. iTunes looks at that stuff. For some reason, I have a lot of people reaching out on Twitter, and I don't mind that, but they're commenting to my blogs and they're commenting on my, on my podcasts on a service that doesn't really rank feedback. What advice do you give or how do you handle feedback with your listeners? 
Yeah, that's a great question. And, you know, I, I think we're in a little bit of a strange market for podcasts because if you listen to kind of a business podcast or uh, just kind of a general kind of consumer market podcast, you know, iTunes is everything for most podcasts. I think in education, we have our circles that are a little tighter. I know a lot of people are really into Google Plus and Twitter seems to be huge for everyone. So, I mean, I'll tell you, I get a hundred times more listens from Twitter than I do from iTunes, I'm sure. And I don't even have to check stats to know that because I use, you know, link tracking and things like that. And I can tell, you know, the vast majority of my traffic is coming from Twitter. And I'm sure a lot of people aren't even aware that iTunes is a way to get podcasts. So, I, I mean, I think, like I said, I think education is, is a little bit of a, of a different field um, where a lot of people are finding out about podcasts from the podcasters through other channels. You know, maybe they, uh, you know, they read your blog or follow you on Twitter or some other uh, social media. And uh, for me, it's, it's probably email. Uh, my readers find out about my podcast because I have their email address. I tell them, hey, I've got an app. I've got this show. Um, these are the, the latest episodes and things like that. So, you know, I, I, if I could get people to leave ratings in iTunes, I would, I would be happy for them to. Um, but I consider that pretty unlikely to happen in, uh, you know, in, in good quantity. Um, if anybody does leave a rating for my show in iTunes, I would prefer that it be five stars. That would be fantastic. But honestly, it's not something that I've, that I've emphasized. I think um, you have to kind of look at, uh, at who your audience uh, is and how they find out about you. And, uh, you know, anything you can do to boost the channels that are, uh, that are being productive is, is great. But to be honest, I haven't focused on iTunes just because I don't think that many people are, uh, are finding me that way. And that's a difficult thing. I find because I work a lot with businesses and businesses will always ask you, how many subscribers do you have? And I find myself instead of saying, well, I have X, I find myself more often than not explaining that really it's in education. It's not about subscribers. It's about viewers. And my Twitter relationship with an educator is so much different than my podcasting relationship with an, with an educator. And it is easy for somebody to find our websites and click the play button. And that's a download. So right. to get somebody to, A, go to your website is difficult. B, click on the audio button is difficult. But then make the commitment to then find you on a third party or go to their phone or whatever and then hit subscribe, that's even more difficult. It, it is an uphill battle. But the one thing I can certainly say that's awesome is educators are out there having these conversations. And if a show that's happening over at the Principal Center or on TeacherCast or House of EdTech or any, any of these shows – is helping to bring on conversations, I think that's awesome. Absolutely, absolutely. And I think a lot of people um, start a podcast with maybe some monetization goals, you know, hoping to get sponsorship. Mm -hmm. And um, I think the, the reality is that it, it is tough to get the numbers up to that point. I think I did the math the other day. I think I would, I'd be making about $4 a month if, uh, if I got sponsorship at the, uh, the kind of going rates. Um, so my, you know, my goals are, are very different. I'm not trying to, to get an audience and get sponsorships. And I know a lot of people who are doing podcasting are uh, really just looking to have great conversations and to, to connect with people who uh, have interesting things to, to share about. And uh, I, think, I think that's a great goal. And I think there are, there are opportunities for people to, uh, to monetize and to, to make business out of it. Um, but uh, you know, I'd, be, uh, I'd be dishonest if I, if I said that wasn't a, a very difficult thing. Um, simply because we are a, a tight world in education. You know, there are, what, three or four million educators in the, in the U.S. And, and many more in the English-speaking world. 
but it uh, it is it is still a fairly small world compared to say you know business podcasting where people can uh, you know make hundreds of thousands of dollars a month with their uh, their different podcasts that are uh, getting millions of listeners. So just a different world. It it, it is sometimes unfair when. <laughs> We're, you're I, okay. Here's my rant, but you, John you, Lee Dumas. I know what you're going to say. No, 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 no. I'm going to talk about Ric Flair. <laughs> Ric Flair, who I love, great wrestler, is going to be getting into the podcasting area, right? And he's going to be oh. on one of those big things. I already know that he has more subscribers and more downloads to his podcast, and he hasn't even started yet. And that's the difference between <laughs> educational podcasting and being a multi-million dollar celebrity. I guess it is, right? Um, let's, let's, let's wrap things up here. I want, I want to, you know, be respectful of your time here. What advice do you give that new podcaster? Because again, this show here is designed to help you get your show launched and to teach you exactly what you need to do as far as podcasting and WordPress. If you could give out out any advice, what would it be? Sure. Well, I would say, um, you know, follow kind of the 80, 20 rule. And this is something I teach as a productivity strategy, but the, the 80, 20 rule says that, you know, 20% 20% of your efforts are going to, going to yield 80% of your results. And if, if you tell yourself that you need to have everything perfect before you can, can go for it, you're never going to launch. So if you want to do a podcast, hey, get on Skype with somebody and record a podcast. And if you don't know what to do with it then, you know, don't worry about it. Once you've got the podcast recorded, Google it. Read, you know, re- read one of Jeffrey's posts. Uh, there are lots of people out there who uh, who will give you a little tutorial on how to do this. Don't go pay thousands of dollars to, uh, you know, to to get some big elaborate thing that teaches you how to podcast. Uh, but also, don't be afraid to get your hands dirty a little bit. Um, you know, you're not going to break too much of the internet if uh, if something goes wrong. So my advice is is just go for it. And there are probably thousands and thousands of podcasts that have three episodes, and then that's all they ever did. And, um, you know, if that's the way it goes, there's, there's no harm done in that. I think we did fewer than 20 episodes of principal center or excuse me, of edu leadership radio and uh, just never got really consistent with that. And we're trying to be, um, you know, more consistent with principal center radio, but, uh, you know, the, the important thing is, is starting and, and making sure that you're doing something that, that you find enjoyable and that you want to, uh, to sustain and put out there. So don't be afraid to, uh, to just Google it if you don't know what to do. Uh, reach out and uh, ask people for for advice, but the the tools are mostly free. the uh, The technology is is you know easier than it used to be and getting easier every day. So my advice is just to go for it. Great advice, Justin. One more time, you can find all the great information happening over at principalcenter.com/radio. Justin, what's going to be happening on Principal Center Radio? What kind of content can we find if we log on? Sure. So in each episode, we try to keep our episodes uh, in the 15 to 20 minute range. And I speak with uh, authors and administrators and other education experts about particular topics. So when you load up an episode of Principal Center Radio, you should be able to tell exactly what it's about. Uh, if it's a book, uh, you'll, you'll find a link to the book and more information about the author. And we just dive into, uh, into that topic in depth. And I, t- I try to talk to, to people with uh, all different types of expertise that would be of interest to school administrators. And if you're not an administrator, uh, you might find a, a number of, of those books still are uh, very relevant to, uh, to your interests. So we try to keep it, uh, keep it pretty topical and pretty focused so that people can listen even if their commute is shorter than yours, Jeffrey. Excellent. Thank you one more time for being on here. One last time, where can we find you on, our, on your social media channels? 
So principalcenter.com has links, but Twitter is at eduleadership, and uh, you'll, you'll definitely find me there, and facebook.com slash eduleadership, and uh, I can occasionally be found on LinkedIn and other places as well, but those are the, uh, the main channels. Justin, thank you so much for your time. Likewise. Pleasure speaking with you. Once again, I want to take a moment to thank Justin Bader for coming on the program. If you're interested in learning more about the great work that he's doing, check out everything he has over at the Principal Center. Next week, we're going to be taking a look at podcasting from a completely different point of view and asking the question, can you podcast as a school district? Join us next week as we welcome Principal Michael Berry from Vermont onto the show. Mike recently started a podcast for his elementary school, and it became so successful, his superintendent asked him to create a show to support his entire school district and surrounding community. It's a great show. You certainly don't want to miss it. Lastly, I want to remind you to contact me if you're a podcaster and would like to be featured on our program. Or perhaps you're new to podcasting and have some questions about podcasting or setting up your WordPress website. Well, my friends, that wraps up this week's episode of Educational Podcasting Today. Don't forget the Tech Educator Podcast broadcasts live each and every week on TeacherCast.tv at 7 p.m. Eastern, 4 p.m. Pacific. And all of our shows on the TeacherCast Educational Broadcasting Network can be heard on podcasting platforms such as iTunes, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, YouTube, MediaCore, and wherever else you may find educational podcasts today. There's, of course, many ways that you can connect with us here at TeacherCast. Leave us a voicemail, teachercast.net slash voicemail. Email us at feedback at teachercast.net. Find us on Twitter at TeacherCast. And, of course, subscribe to our many audio and video channels over on teachercast.net slash iTunes and teachercast.net slash YouTube. Thank you so much for allowing TeacherCast to be a part of your professional development network. And I hope you take a moment to share TeacherCast with your PLN. My name is Jeff Bradbury. Thank you so much for taking the time to make TeacherCast your home for professional development. Until next time, keep up the great work in your classrooms and continue sharing your passions with your students. National Podcast Day is September 30th, but what is National Podcast Day? It's pretty simple and you can help spread the word. National Podcast Day is dedicated to promoting podcasting worldwide through public engagement. You may be asking, what can I do to get involved with National Podcast Day? It's easy. Head over to nationalpodcastday.com and check the suggestions. But ultimately, these options are endless. Remember, September 30th, nationalpodcastday.com, and let's start the conversation.